this old church, this old church, how many are enjoying the series? Good. That's good to hear. We got two more things I want to talk about. Before you're seated, I want to give um, a special moment of silence today for all those who lost their lives. Because though we think of barbecue, people lost their lives so we could be here today worshiping Jesus because they fought on the soil to protect this country. And before we do that, if you're a veteran in this house, can you raise your hand? See, we got, look around all, we got some. Thank you for your service. And there's a lot more. One Seed Church at one point, I think it was called the One Seed Veterans. We're blessed by veterans, and they, uh, they keep us safe in, safe in church, too. So we're just thankful for you. But we want to give a special moment of silence right now if everybody can stay standing for those who lost their lives for this country. Amen. Y'all may be seated. On a side note, I used to think of this weekend, this is totally not related to the message or anything, as pork, pork steaks, barbecue, and good times, until I met a few veterans, and they told me how they felt. And so it taught me to be reverent to the men and women of this country and all those who have battled and Though we do enjoy the weekend and it's all good, the weekend is to honor them who fought. So thank you for that. We pray for all those families. So back to the sermon. We are in week three, and today's an interesting week because my hair is being cut off by the screen. That's why it's an interesting, no, I'm just kidding. We're talking about technology in church. We've talked two weeks so far. We talked about the early church. The whole series is called This Old Church. And we talked about the first church in Acts. It's called the birth of the church. All things new was the perspective they had because church was a brand new thing. This resurrection power was a brand new thing. Acts 2 was a brand new thing. And then we fast forwarded to the video clip, which was my, my dad's era back in the 70s. In fact, Jim, you probably didn't know that. That was my dad preaching at 28 years old in 1976. But if we take the word like it's stuck in my head and if forever it's changed me, it's so good. We talked about that generation and that they were bold and brave. They were bold and brave with this gospel. They were lions in the lamb like Jesus. You know Jesus was slain because they expected a lion to come rule on earth and he did so by laying down as the lamb on the cross. He conquered as a lion by being inside the form of a lamb. So we often get that mixed up and people get that mixed up and that aggression is not what God wants, but God wants boldness and brave people for his kingdom through grace, love, and mercy that we've been given, that we give it away. So this week has been my favorite week I've been waiting on because y'all probably don't know this and I know this is a weird combination, but I am a software geek at heart. I'm a, I'm a developer. I'm a consultant. I've been doing Microsoft application development for 16 years. And so it's a weird combination for a pastor to come from that world because it's kind of like the opposite of the faith. It's kind of like the opposite of Christianity. So it's funny how opposites attract, how living in that world long enough could bring me 
into being a pastor and a calling and all these things because I was like lopsided. But I want to talk about technology today in the church, the era that I grew up in or that we're in right now, actually. Does anybody like technology? Does anybody have a smartphone? And if you're not raising your hand, we know you're lying. <laughs> Jesus knows your heart, but it's okay to lie in church for Jesus. No, I don't know how that goes, but um, it's everywhere, right? Technology rules the world. And so to give you a little context of how we got to today, we got to see how it came about. And I grew up as a teen in the 90s, and in the 90s, Bill Gates was kind of the man, and, 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 and Apple was kind of like, actually kind of like not as strong as they've taken over now, and, and so things were surfacing, and I never remember, I never forget in, in, in my junior high school, Bill Gates said, someday everybody's going to do everything they do through the TV. We thought, that's crazy. Now, what's funny is he wasn't too far off, because we do everything we do through a TV that's this big in our phone. And then it wasn't far after that, the TV now is mirroring what our phone does. It's a smart TV. It's no different, because guess what? They're all computers, is what they are. So I thought that was interesting that, that we could see that was coming, but he called that out and was just off a bit on his timeline. But otherwise, it's been scary how right on it's been. And so so can, I'm going to give you, you're either going to pass out from this sermon or you're going to be really engaged because you're geeking out with me, okay? So it's one of the two. I pray that you can do some jumping jacks if you feel like you're the sleeper type because I'm going to give you a little bit of the technical jargon, technical jargon about this sermon, okay, and technology in the church, okay? Does that work? I got a pocket protector. Anybody got an ink pen? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't use pens. Anyway, so... In the 90s, this thing called the internet was born. And what is the internet? It's two computers talking to each other. That's what it is. It's a really fancy word for two computers talking to each other. And so when, before they had the internet, I guess that uh, whatever his name, um, the old vice president said he created, no, sorry, before that, uh, when you wanted to connect over the internet before the word was a thing, you would dial up to someone else's machine and you could get stuff off another computer and they called them servers and there'd be stuff on there you could take that would take like the rest of your life to download, but you could do it if you were diligent and you could get it. And it wasn't about how good the stuff was, it's about that you got it and you found it. That was the game. It was the chasing game. And then by mid-90s, this thing called Windows 95 came out. It's when the whole, the whole Microsoft computer became a GUI operating system. Like, everything was visual now. You didn't have to actually know how to type commands and any of that stuff. Like, it was getting simpler. Plug and play. So, so if you're really good, Cody, you could steal a copy of Windows 95 before the general public got it. I wouldn't say how I would know that, but you could load it onto like 87 floppy disks and you could put it on your computer. And before you know it, you've got the latest and greatest that you got off the pre-internet. Back then we called them bulletin board systems. Well, then what happened is someone had created this, this thing called IIS and it's, it's the Internet Information Services Software. Jim, I know you probably, you probably know about this because Jim does AWS, but this is the Microsoft talk. And, and before, before the cloud and AWS actually took over the market, thank God for that, Microsoft was doing this thing called IIS. And so when you go out to a website, it's actually hitting a computer that, that IIS goes, what is the content that I should show to the user on the screen? So let me serve up these pages on another machine. And we started calling that the internet because we started adding machines. 
and adding machines and adding thousands of machines and starting doing things like running fiber under the ocean and like connecting. All it is is a bunch of computers connected together. And so that was the IIS era. And what's funny is I was going to call that mess, the message today the IIS era, but however, God said that's already dated because technology moves so fast. It's not even a matter of like IS. That's way old news now because now it's just automatic. It's automatic. I mean, technology is in everything we do in this church. The church world has changed because of corona due to technology. It can be good and it can be bad. I mean, y'all don't know, like, what we do is we go farm out software tools to help us do this process. And being, being a tech nerd, if they don't have it, I build one myself. So we've built all kinds of crazy stuff. You go to our website, and I'm just giving you a little context here that there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes because of technology. And if you go to our website, it's not just a pretty thing of like how to get to church, but there's stuff happening. Did you know that every time we do a video, Amanda, we upload that thing to the website. Jim, it sends it out to AWS. It it creates a snippet of the video. It drops it on AWS as a snippet. And that is an option if we want to make that play as the background. It also strips the audio, drops that out to AWS, which is a cloud server. And that becomes the auto feed to the podcast across every podcast feed. Like there's all this stuff going on off a single file upload. Pretty cool, right? It eliminates like 10 people in 40 hours of work. But like, it's so fast. And in order for the little guy to keep up with the big guy who doesn't have 20 people on their staff, you got to create things to be fast because it's all about speed in this world. And other things like, um, Streaming, I mean, streaming took over. There was churches, even though we feel like streaming is kind of a norm, there was churches who'd never done it before until Corona. They were considered archaic. We've been streaming since 2018 because we knew streaming was a, an essential thing at this point. This is a global ministry. And so, so streaming, streaming really took off even further and sent, sent Zoom into to a good investment and set um, Resi uh, encoding software and all these streaming services as really good um, things to invest in for the church because technology was taking over your way to reach the masses. And it's moving fast. It's moving fast. I mean, just in the time I wrote the message and we're preaching it, technology has changed that quick. It's fast. And so, so it's cool, but it can be dangerous. It, be, it can be dangerous because we're learning to live only online, and we're, we're, we're never disconnecting ever, ever. Does anybody ever have their smartphone go dead? How do you feel? I shake. I tremble. I convulge. I preached on it so bad. The Cybertrain, remember that one? It says like Iron Man, when that phone battery goes dead, it's like Iron Man losing his thing. Plug me in, somebody. Serious. It's a problem. So my title today is more of a question because we're living in this world already. The IS era, that's over. That was the 90s already, and that's too geeky to even talk about. So we're going to go right into the question is, are you online today? Are you online today? This is a global church that's online. That is the new church. That is the current church model and world we're living in. And it can be dangerous because we're living in this high-speed, cloud-based, data-driven culture. 
Today's youth know how to operate computers, tablets, and every type of device you can think of by the time they are crawling and walking. Can I get an amen, somebody, with a two-year-old? Come on. We know it. It's no longer a hobby, and guess what? It's okay that they know more about it than you. I get it. It's because they were born into it. They were born into it. They know how to charge that thing when the battery's dead, and they know how to complain about it if they don't, can't find that charger at two. It's no longer a hobby or a profession to incorporate data and knowledge in all we do, but it's a data-driven society that has the ability to access great information with ease. And I want to give you a passage that I felt reflected this for the Bible time in 1 Corinthians because maybe the thing has changed, but the mindset hasn't. The mindset they had back then is still in people today. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 3, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and they're not talking about tablets and internet and data. They're talking about sacrificing meat. But the principle behind what he's saying here is the principle of this message. It says, now about food sacrifice to idols. He's talking to the Corinthian church here. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Let's say it together. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. One is self-based. One is selfless based. Verse 2, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Can I get an amen? You ever met, you ever met somebody that is like telling you everything? That's the first sign of someone who doesn't know much. Because the Bible says to listen intently and speak less. That's a sign of wisdom. Wisdom listens quickly, speaks slowly. And so it's important we, we learn that in our spiritual walk, and we can take that into any category of our life. It's when we think we know it, God says that's when we really don't. It's when we think we do. The greatest wisdom God gave me in pastoring is to show me how stupid I was. <laughs> Can we say stupid here at church? Can we be real? Uh, um, Non-intelligent. I said, good, God, because I feel I don't feel good enough, and I feel like maybe if I just stay not good enough, you can use me to do something good for your kingdom. And that's, that's for all of us. We, we've all fallen short. And so we don't want to ever be that puffed up, full of knowledge thing. We want to be humble, who builds up ourselves and others with love. Verse 3, but whoever loves God is known by God. Verse 2 again, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. What Paul is saying here is if you really understand, then you have the fundamental of what love does. That's priority, that love builds up. And if you're missing that, that's a sign that you don't know as you ought, is what he said. So are you online today? To all the people on the camera, I could ask them, but if they're seeing this message, they're online today. Because they have to be, right? Because if we kill the connection, guess what happens? They lose the feed. There it is. Technology is keeping us in communication. The Bible says to whom much is given, much, everybody say it, much is required 
I don't like responsibility, well, neither do I, but I'm not God, and I didn't write this. To whom much is given, the, the much is required, and at the same time, we, ha- we may have too much right now at our fingertips. It may be skewing judgment in what we have control over, what we put our faith in, and where our strength really is found. It can be a blessing, and it can be a curse, depending on how we use it. When I start feeling strong because I got a good 400 megabits, megabytes per second download speed, there's something wrong with me, Cody. I'm turning into that robot. And so I got to get to church on Sunday so I can remember that I need Jesus. Because when I start depending on technology, I work, I work uh, remotely, and then sometimes I don't work in my main office, and so I have a computer set up with everything I got to do. So if I ever got to get it to it from somewhere else, like today when I needed a credit card for something, I had to remote into my phone, get into my home computer, and get the credit card and do the thing, and upgrade the software because the software was going to crash in, in the kid's room, and then, and, then, and then the thing was broke over here because Cameron, Cameron wasn't in, and we forgot about Cameron, and sorry, Cameron, hope you're having a great weekend, by the way. And, 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 then, and then the, and the worship team in here, the things were breaking because the Ethernet cord was not plugged in all the way, and then there wasn't getting a signal. So you got to reboot the Ethernet cord and unplug it and plug it back in because then it reestablishes the connection. Everything works. Everything's happy again. And then you got to pray a lot when technology doesn't work. We're a technological church. Can you tell? Some of y'all are like, what's this have to do with anything? It's no different. We're not talking about how we sacrifice. We're talking about how we do it with technology and how technology is slowly getting in the way, perhaps, of where our faith is, Our strength is in our ability to love, as Paul just suggested, because knowledge puffs up and blocks love that builds up. So my question to you this morning is, have we become so conditioned, oh, can I just preach it for a minute, with information, with so many churches online, with so many churches on the block, with so many things at our fingertips. We've lost the fire for Jesus. Are we going numb? Y'all awake? Do we got a pulse? It can happen to us. It can happen to us in here because we're flesh. And if it can happen to us in here who know the gospel, what does it do to someone who doesn't know the gospel? That's why the truth has to be shared. Have we let process overshadow spiritual progress? I love the opportunities that this church era brings through technology, but I challenge to ask if our spiritual condition has become numb because we are living in a sensory overloaded season. I didn't know what that was until I had a baby, and they say when you take a baby like to a party, a newborn, and then they come home and they cry for like hours, They say it's because they got too much at once. It's sensory overload. Their senses couldn't handle such dramatic, multiple forms of exposure at one time. And I watched my kids growing up, and I watched their dad forgetting things, and I watched the culture, and I watched the change in how the culture is becoming sensory overloaded. Am I the only one who thinks this? Y'all feeling this? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, does anybody else, like, didn't have ADD until five years ago, and now you can't remember anything because there's too many things that you're, too many things going on up there. It's because we never cut the cord. Disconnect. Unplug the information superhighway. It's like an addiction. It is an addiction. It is an addiction. 
If I don't have my phone, I'm uncomfortable. If I don't have internet and we actually go like to the lake or something, I'm uncomfortable enjoying the water. Camping to me is with Amazon involved. <laughs> One time we were on a trip in Hawaii, Amanda sitting in a, what do they call it? The bungalow, where's Michelle? Sitting in the thing, the little bungalow, like the tent thing, and you pay a little money for it and you get to sit there and I'm sitting there shopping on Amazon because that was relaxing. Isn't that messed up? So it's becoming an addiction, but it all ties into knowledge being thrown at us. Is too much knowledge stopping us from loving as Jesus loved and continues to love? Is it too much of a good thing? We have, the, we have the ability to reach the world from this room right now. Did you know we've had people from other parts of the globe see our stream? That little church, really? That God could? Yes. One lady in Brazil on Instagram says, I want to join an O team online. And I'm thinking, how do I do this? She's in Brazil. And she was serious. Like, how can I? So I started thinking, how can we use someone in Brazil? What can we do? One seed Brazil, let's do it. Like, what can we do? It presented an opportunity that I wasn't, I don't know how we could do it, you know, but we're thinking on it. But what I'm saying is technology did that. So in one avenue, we're reaching people, but at the same time, you can have too much of a good thing. You start losing balance in the blessing, where the blessing starts feeling expected. Never expect a blessing. That's when they go wrong. When you expect the gear to work like this morning, that's when it goes wrong. That's why we have to sit back and pray and go, God has blessed this church with technology, and sometimes it's not perfect, and we're going to be happy anyway. But you can get real used to the in-ears, like they, just, they should work, you know, and if they don't, or we get really used to the kid's software, and it should just work, and if it doesn't, then we're like bitter because we're getting out of balance. We can have church with nothing in here. That's the way they did it on Azusa. You just need some voices and some hungry hearts. So it's easy to forget the blessing when you get out of balance. And that's the danger of this generation of church. Is that back in the 70s, they didn't have all that. Back in Acts, they sure didn't have all that. They're like, hey, you want to go to a barbecue? Okay, grab a fishing pole and let's catch some fish because that's what's for dinner. Like there just wasn't enough options to get exposed to such toxic danger that if we handle it wrong too much is given, much is required, we can be in a toxic situation, even inside God's house. There's no question that we have to adapt to culture, but the mission of this church in God's gospel is that we never lose the truth of the gospel. It has to be first. It has to be first even when it's not popular. Because guess what? When it's really good truth, it won't be popular most of the time. It's not convenient. It's not fun. It's not nice out. It's stormy weather sometimes. Sometimes when you want a blessing, you're asking God to send some dark clouds in for a bit. That's not always fun. But that's gospel. That's gospel. Good things are only good in moderation. Otherwise, they become toxic like apples. I talk about apples a lot. I know that's weird. Anybody remember the apple bike ride story I told just like a few? So I got another apple story, Debbie. This is weird. This guy needs to read his Bible more or something. So this one time, I had this bag of big red apples from Sam's Club. Bulk. And I lived all my, and alone in Nashville, Nolani, and I didn't believe in sugar. I was trying to like be really 
critical on my diet. And so I, I was so starving for sugar, I would like eat the raisins out of raisin bran. That's the only thing I had. And you know, they have a little grains of sugar in the raisins. I would eat the raisins. Isn't that sad? Like go, go buy a Butterfinger. Oh, I did. I threw it out the window out of guilt because I was so obsessed. I bought a Butterfinger and chucked it out my window out of guilt. I was so obsessed. So I had these apples though. So what happens when you get so out of balance, you take a good thing and you give yourself a sickness by eating the whole red bag of apples in like two days. I never forget calling my mom. Mom, I've got the worst stomach ache. I think I'm dying. What did you do? I ate 37 jumbo red dark peeled apples. Is that messed up? Well, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> never liked red apples again after that. So what I'm saying is like anything out of balance can really mess you up if you're not careful. You can drink too much water. You can be too spiritual to where you don't even know how to communicate with an earthly sinner that you once wore, and now you're so puffed up with knowledge, you don't even know how to talk to someone who was lost because you forget what lost being is feeling like, what it feels like. You can take a blessing and turn it into a toxic seed to someone else's garden. You don't even know you're wrecking gardens all over the place. We don't even know we're doing it because knowledge puffs up. Oh, let me tell you, the Lord will get you for that. Oh, oh, Jesus, Lord, boom, rebuke that evil spirit now out of that person. Yeah, they said that. Someone said that. The Lord will get you for that. I can't, I say this a lot because isn't that the most inviting thing to hear in church? The Lord will get you for that. No, thank you. I just can't wait to come back to this place. <laughs> Not here, of course. We don't, we don't do like that. But it can be dangerous. Is too much knowledge stopping us from loving as Jesus has called us to love? It's, it's like an information superhighway. Yeah. When you think of an information superhighway, you think of what? Turtles driving Miss Daisy? No. You think of speed, baby. Wah, fast, fast, fast. Get me there. Fast, right? The information super highway like Superman. It's a high speed visibility condition we live in 24-7. 24-7. We live in that 24-7. When we leave here, we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to judge how many cars are coming at us when we drive in the traffic. We have to look at how many texts and how many emails, and we have to do it on Facebook, and we have to do Instagram, we have to do all these things at once. It's a high speed visibility thing, and that's just normal now. That's normal. It's high speed visibility. And the problem is the faster you go, the less clearer you're gonna see. The faster you go, the less clearly you can see. Is culture's pace and vast Google search of info dulling our spiritual senses because the faster we go, what, what does Jesus think of me? Go, 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 devil, devil, devil. I mean, I mean, go, 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 go. Oh, this is good info. No, this is bad info. Don't read that one. Oh, wait, what kind of, I got 5,000 results that can tell me how to be saved. I can like, do anything. I can, Jesus loves me. Why does he love me? There's 500 million results for that. Like there's so many things I could do. And I can just keep talking like this. And eventually you're going to go numb to my voice right now because I'm speaking so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's fast. It's like the Micro Machines guy. Anybody remember him? Micro Machines, Micro Machines. And he talks so fast, you're like, just slow down. I can't understand you talking about these little cars, man. But that's the point. That's the world the church is in now. That's the world the world, the culture's in now. It's high speed. 
And we can't turn this mission into an assembly line. We can't. As much as I love technology, I love it. I know in my heart it can never take the place of God's word, God's heart. We have to be people after God's own heart like David. Or it can be dangerous and cause a reverse effect of what we set out to do. We can't lose the personal touch. People are more than a connection card, though I urge you to fill one out if you haven't. So we can get you on the mailing list. Then you get the auto text that says, welcome, how was your first day at church? Give us a, give us a thing, blah, blah, blah. And we get all this automated response. I love it. But people are more than that. They're people who have needs and who are suffering, who come in the church and they have a good poker face, but they may be really struggling today at home. Maybe someone in this room is really struggling today at home, and we don't even know it because they just look like another face. I'm in pastor mode. How many did we get? Oh, how many people? Uh, what kind of connection card? Did they put their email? Oh, no, no, no. You know, it's a data, 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 data. See, I got I to fight that too. We all fight it. And it is relevant, but it's got to be balanced and not take over. Take over. A lot of people that have visited this church over the last three years, and if you're new here, We've moved three times. We're like, we're like the gospel. We're just, we do it by feet. We're just Roman. We're like, we're like gypsies. We just move. And um, we, we landed here at the Y last fall. But what was I, where was I going with that? What I was saying is people would say, we, we, wanna, we want a personal touch. We've been to the big ones. And we want a personal touch. And I'm thinking, well, we want to be big, but we want to be personal. We're going to do both. We're going to do both. Because what makes the church grow is the personal touch. So if you want the church to grow, you've got to keep it personal. If you lose the personal touch, the church starts suffocating internally, losing the health of the culture. The culture starts dying because there has to be a personal touch first. It has to be like, how are you today? How can I pray for you? And i got to mean it when I say it. Like, I love you. I really do love you. I know it's weird because I don't even know your name. Like, Walter, I love you, man, because I don't know you, but you're a brother in Christ, and because you're hungry for God, like, that, that fires me up that people have that still. Like, that's what it's about. That's what's it about. And we magnify that as the church grows. You're going to see a culture that is contagious that you can't be away from. And when you are, you want to go back because you miss that because that is gospel. That is what the community is supposed to be in your house, in your church house, in your life. Everywhere you go, you take it. And when you can't find it, you give it to someone else. When you see someone needing it, we give it. But we got to slow down to recognize it or it's a big blur. And it all looks the same. It all runs together. We can never lose that one-on-one perspective. Sometimes God is just saying, slow down, child. Slow down before those ads pop up on that tablet thing. Oh, Lord. Anybody have kids that use a tablet? We already know you do. So go ahead and raise your hand. You get the free apps with the ads. Has anybody ever gone through this yet and seen the devil? What my kids are seeing blows my already twisted, perverted mind from my own youth. I can't even imagine the things they are seeing. By the way, if you want to protect them from a true nerd point of view, buy the app because they don't get the ads. Otherwise, they're going to see sex. They're going to see pornographic innuendos to lure them out of their little game into a world that is not meant for anybody but hell and sin. 
And my little boy, like, he's so, he's so, he's like me. When I was a kid, I would, like, put soap in my own mouth when I do something wrong. That's the kind of conscious I had. One time I put liquid soap in my own mouth. I felt so ashamed of something when I was a kid. My one boy is like that. Now, I can't say both boys are like that, but one boy is like that. And, and he's got such a heavy conscience. He said, Dad, I saw this, and Dad, I saw this, and I thought I had seen everything, and I was shocked. I challenge y'all. If you have kids on the ad, the ad, the games with the ads, go, go pay attention for like more than five minutes and you'll be shocked because we're living in a high speed internet world. And so we're just used to like giving it to them. But if we slow down and look at what they're looking at, oh my Lord, it's bad. He was in tears more than once. It led him out to get other things from the app store. And it's just easy peasy at your fingertips. At least when I was a kid, you had to be clever to steal it and take it. But now you got to be like, you can just be three years old and do it. It's easy, and it's getting easier. That's the world we're living in. So what we did, if, if, in case you want to know, we didn't just let them keep doing it. We stripped all the ad-based games and gave them a few select. They get YouTube kids. They get a couple games that have no ads that we had to pay like a dollar for. And thankfully, my kids tell me, really, they do. I know you're saying, well, that's what you think. No, they really do. They tell us. I have to actually tell them, hey, man, it's all right. Like, don't get so beat up about this. You're only human. It's a dangerous world. God says, slow down, child. And that's not just for your kids. That's for all of us. Slow down, child. Unplug once in a while. We do that in relationships. We do that in jobs. The perfect house. We start filling voids, but we have no quality. The quality score of our choices in life is down, but our volume is high. That leads to dead results. That's more geek talk. That's like Google Analytics. Y'all don't know that I'm stalking every move every person makes on our website every day of the year because I got nothing better to do at 2 a.m. and I can see how long it took them to click from one link to the next and if they clicked off the site, it's called a bounce rate and I can see if they're engaging in the content and if they're not, if they think it sucks. Did I say that? Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. If they, I can tell if they don't like it, if they're bouncing like in a half a second. I can tell because of technology. But I can never let technology make the decision for me to come here and praise and technology make the decision for me to preach, worship, engage in God's word because even though it's an indicator, it's not gospel. And guess what? Google makes mistakes. Guess what? Sometimes Google's analytics on their website, you put the little tag in your thing, it tells you X, Y, Z, and it's delayed. So you get a false read. Sometimes your tag gets expired and you get, you get a false read. So when you think God's not doing something because your faith is in what Google says, God says, I am, the, I am the counselor. I am the great reward. I am the one who gives you provision. And I am the one who will drive people into God's house, into my house, when you are faithful and plow. Not Google. That's an asset to accommodate my gospel, says the Lord. Use it for me or don't use it. Use it for glory or don't use it. It's a tool. It's not to replace me. Technology is not to replace me because guess what that becomes? That's called an idol when it does. When anything takes the place of God, that's what they refer to as idol. Just because they don't look like what you think doesn't mean that's not what they are because when you start putting your faith in them, it says the love of, the love of money is the root of evil, not money. And when you love money more than you love God, money becomes your faith-based idol. Does that make sense? 
And I love money. I love Amazon. And we get points, and it's great. We just got a drone. It's so cool. I almost flew it in the ocean. Like, I was terrified I was going to fly it in the ocean. Like, like, but it's never going to take the place of the gospel in my life. It can't. I wreck my kids if I do that. I love my kids. It's, it's, it's got to be gospel first. I am wrapping up here, but I want to give you one more question. And thank you for staying awake as I threw out a lot of technical jargon today. And it's really quite impressive that you all have, like, not passed out. So thank you for that. <laughs> and, um, oh, it gets better. We run speed tests to figure out why the check-in computer is going so slow. And we figure out how we can nerd out to, to bring our own internet into the building to an outside connection because the YMCA is too slow. And then they, caught, then they get complaining because the labels print too slow. And, like, on and on and on and on and on. You can just kind of feed off all the technical steps until you go crazy. That's me. Welcome to my life. Anyway, so, so I want to tell you, though, that God said, maybe I prefer dial-up. Does anybody remember dial-up connections? Three people, remember? Those same three people were the one playing Doom in Wolfenstein in the 90s. I know where y'all at because I was doing it, too. See, dial-up is what we used to have to do to get on the Internet and be like a little turtle just to do some communication, maybe a little chat, maybe a little IM messenger thing or something, IRC. Oh, man, really going back here. Before it got all fast and crazy, Emily, you're born into the high-speed culture. But this is before that dial-up. If you really wanted to do something impressive, Jim, you'd spend a good 10 minutes to download one megabyte. That's a 14.4 baud modem. Isn't it sad that I know exactly how fast from the 90s one megabyte would take? You needed a 14.4 modem because before that it was a 2400 baud modem, and that was so slow it would take like an hour to download one megabyte. Well, just to give you an idea what a megabyte is, now you're downloading hundreds of megabytes in seconds from Facebook as you move around. Just like that. That was... 25 years ago. You see what's happened here? How fast things have gotten? So not only has computers gotten fast, but computers has made the communication culture faster. In order to compete in that culture, you got to speed things up. But maybe God prefers dial-up, if y'all can stand with me. I promise you there's going to be a spiritual significance to this geek-out moment on dial-up. You got to slow it down. Wasn't it funny last year when we went online because of Corona? Does anybody remember the sermon with the phone in the screen? The phone was just stuck in the screen. And I was preaching the phone like I was just going ballistic in the basement. Because God is speaking so loudly. It's the same message. That phone is taking over. That speed, that knowledge that puffs up is taking over our ability to think on our own. God forbid we don't have a digital calendar. My life would be a mess. I used to remember everything. What happened? It's because I'm giving up my ability to think. I'm giving up everything, and I'm letting it just fly by. It just flies by, and I'm just kind of watching it fly by. It's like some technology gummies that are just numbing me and watching it all just fly by. Get them on Amazon. Some technology melatonin gummies, they're just flying by. They're numbing our senses. We don't see nothing. We don't recognize nothing. And because we're moving so fast, we don't understand the differences that there still exist in the, in the, in the, in the gospel and that there's reasons that it's preached and there's reasons people differ in views and all these things because we're just flying by and we're okay with that. But God says, if you're going to use it, maybe you should just slow it down once in a while and pop back on a dial-up to remember what I'm doing for you.
to remember what I've done for you and what I'm going to do for you. I don't know about you, but if I can't find what I want in like three seconds, that's the average time before someone bounces to another site to find it. If you're shopping and you can't find it, in three seconds, boom, you're off to another site. Our bounce rate as a human culture right now is so fast, crazy, impatient. I don't know any scripture that said God was impatient. I can think of one scripture where Jesus turned over the money changers tables in the synagogue and it doesn't say that he raced over there and went crazy. It said he turned them over because he was mad. But I bet he was calm and calculated because God is patient. And anything good that God's done, God's, God does, it has to be patient. The harvest grows through patience. It doesn't happen overnight because as soon as that thing roots up, it'll be dead the next day. You gotta do it through patience and we gotta slow down to absorb the nutrient that we need to grow in our walk and to live in love as Jesus has loved. I challenge you this weekend to disconnect for a minute from this, and if I had a phone, I'd say this, and disconnect from this, and connect with your Father, your Heavenly Father, because that is the only connection that doesn't ever get disconnected, that doesn't ever stop pumping enough speed when you need it, pumping enough nutrients of nourishment when you need it. That is the only connection that you ever need. That's your only lifeline in this world is gospel, is Jesus Christ. That is the only connection you should stay on 24-7. Amen? So God, we bow our heads right now. We give thanks right now that we're in a new era that we want to leverage, God. But this old church has to stay part of our fundamental, has to stay part of our truth, because that can never change. It can never change. I can never lose what you gave them in Acts. I can never lose what you gave them through all the centuries till now. And even though I'm putting it out online and we're reaching people in Brazil and we reached that guy in Bangladesh who was starving for, for a Bible, God, we're going to remember first that that gospel has to stay unwavered, has to stay true, and never is replaced by technology, Lord. We love you, God. Let us do it different and do it the best it's ever been for your gospel, but let it be pure in heart and with love and let us never be puffed up with knowledge of ourselves. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, everybody say together, amen.